I focus on my family and my wife, my kid. Those are just non-negotiables. But my biggest mountain is I want to make a hundred millionaires in the next 10 years. And that's kind of like, I can't do that one at a time typically. So I have to create systems and businesses around helping people to do that. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What up, what up to the Action Academy family? This is your host as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps for you to earn freedom in your life. Man, oh man, do I have a podcast guest for you today. We actually kick off the episode with a bit of a case study that's going on in my business right now personally, and I am hiring a full-time VA, and she is working full-time on the Action Academy and on the business, and it's a it's a pivot, right? I'm going from corporate mindset to entrepreneurial mindset into a team mindset. And today's guest has over 120 virtual assistants that works for his team. So what better way to introduce today's show guest, Felipe Mejia? Felipe is the co-founder of Rat Race Defy, the mastermind group with my friend Diego Corzo that was on this podcast as well. He's also the co-founder of REI Call Center, where he essentially has a team of virtual assistants that he hires out to real estate investors that are looking to source deals. So this team will cold call everyone for you and do the entire campaign for you to find you leads. So it is an interesting process, and we get a lot into this in the beginning of the episode. So we start with all things virtual assistants, then we transfer to how you split up equity and partnerships. How do you become a good partner? How do you find a good partner? What are you looking for to really add rocket fuel to your business to scale to that next level? And then we finish the show talking about Felipe's Airbnb strategies, how he cash flows, what his portfolio actually looks like. And be sure to stick around to the end of the episode where Felipe goes through his line of credit strategy to where he never takes a home equity line of credit, but he utilizes lines of credit that are specific to his different types of real estate that allow him to scale even further without using any of his own money. So if you're enjoying the show, please help us spread the word, spread the message with a five-star rating and a review and send it to your friends, business partners, and families that you think would find value from this as well. Anyways, without any further ado... Mr. Felipe Mejia. Felipe Mejia. What's going on, my brother? Ryan, what's up, dude? So, so nice to be on here, finally. I hate that Diego went first, but it's all right. I'll take second place. Yeah, it's okay. We did a buy one, get one free rat race special. So <laughs> that's what we did. Diego said, I'll come on. <laughs> you get Felipe. First, before we begin, man, and before we get into you, we were just having a conversation off camera. And I know as a podcaster now, I know that whenever we start having these juicy talks, we just need to go ahead and throw it onto the mic. So just hit record. what was I just complaining and whining about? I was just complaining and whining about making the pivot to hiring my first full-time virtual assistant for me and my company. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I've got like 120 that work for me. So I think this is a great place to start, man. Let's walk this backwards because give you're the really advice that you just gave to me. Your listeners are going to be like, geez, like he's hitting the ground hard. Yeah, let's go for it. I'm sorry. I mean, we, we can warm them up. 
Are y'all no, no, okay no. with this? People listening? Are you fine with just diving into massive levels of value? You're good? Okay, cool. Great. Felipe, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So when we jumped on to pre-hit the record button, that's where the juicy stuff is, actually. You were talking about getting a VA and how like you're scared to get your first VA. And there's a couple of reasons I believe that people are scared to get their first VA. And then I'll talk about why I have so many. I think people are chicken shit to get a VA because they don't want to look inside their business and where they have faults. At. That's mm. the reality. Because it's not about keeping them busy. It's not about whether they're going to be good or not, because they may not. And we're all human. And you might go through three or four before you find the right one. And whose fault is that? It's not the VA. It's you. Sure. Because yeah. you are, you're not training well enough or whatever. So you're sharpening a new sword for your business. And that's scary. And as entrepreneurs, we tend to be doing new stuff all the time. So you kind of got to get used to that uncomfortableness. But what happens with the VA is if you're like, okay, I get a lead that comes in, then what's next? The VA puts that lead in a warm lead section and then tells me to follow up. And then it moves to this place. And this is, and then what happens is you have to take an internal look into your business and where are you succeeding and where you're not doing good. And people are scared to do that, right? It's like looking into your own finances, but now you're looking into your businesses and where you have weak links. So like people sub subconsciously are like afraid or, or maybe not subconsciously are afraid to do that. So they never get a VA because someone's going to look into their business at the nuts and bolts of stuff. Yeah. I was telling you like, yeah, I have about a hundred. I, I started a company called REI Call Center. Basically, we help investors in real estate, realtors, investors, buy and hold investors, whatever, find off-market opportunities at a very affordable rate. And we have about 120 virtual assistants that help our business. Yeah. And the, the reason that it's such a hangup for me is... For me personally, it's going from, and this is why I wanted to be able to say this and start with this with Felipe, because it's something that I am going through right now. So all of you can use me as your chopping block and ask your like your person that's going out into the wilderness to blaze the trail. And you can use me as your case study and your example. So for me, I'm going from the corporate mindset where I just left my job. Actually, it was a month ago. So I'm going from being having my real estate and all this as a side hustle to now this is a full time. So I had a virtual assistant part time for about 20 hours for the last month. Yep. And sometimes you struggle to figure out, okay, how do I keep them busy? What do I give them? What do I give them to keep them busy? And then so I'm over here. And this is my first remote podcast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm over here in San Francisco, staying at my cool. buddy's house. Calvin Chin, first episode that was on this podcast. And he was talking about dude, Make her full time and figure it out. Yeah. He's $7 an hour. That's $1,200 $1, a month for me and my scarcity mindset. I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot. But he's like, dude, that's 13 grand a year. He goes, do you think having someone work for you full time, 40 hours a week for an entire year would yield more than $13,000? I was that's like, a great way to look at it. Like 10x on a bat, like 10x, if the, she yields me $130,000, like, I've, I failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where we're at right now. <laughs> it's cool because like he or she is going to fail to the level that you train them. And if I, if it was me, like personally, I would rather fail on a $7 an hour employee than a, than an employee that could have been a rock star and I missed out on because I'm not a good leader. So don't even look at it as, oh, it's a $13,000 investment. Think about it as a $13,000 investment in your leadership skills. Are you a good leader? Well, let's yeah. find out, right? Extreme, would, extreme ownership. 100%. Always, always ask yourself, what can I do? If your employee fails, first person you should look at is the mirror. For sure. First person you should look at. Did I clearly set deadlines, expectations, how to attack this? Did I do that? If nine times out of 10, it's a you problem. Yeah. So 
I'm excited to go through that, man. And uh, yeah, so now it's it's going to be a change to say the least, and it's going to be huge because I'm traveling around the world. But anyways, man, let's dive into freaking REI call center. How the heck did you get that started? What was that trajectory and that journey? Yeah, so it all started like most of my businesses that have been successful have started. It was like a, a 11, one, 11 or midnight, um, just winding down situation. I was laying in bed, getting ready to, to knock out. And I had this idea of, we had just gotten a VA from one of my members at Rat Race to Fi in my mastermind. And he had gotten a, a virtual assistant to help him cold call for his uh, real estate business. Uh, and he gave me one and it didn't work out. And then he gave me another one, didn't work out. And he gave me a third and it finally worked out with that person. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And I was like, wait a minute. And his name is Anton. He's our CEO. I was like, Anton, are you doing this for other people too? He's like, yeah. Like people reach out to me all the time for VAs and I don't mind handing them off. I'm like, awesome. That's great. And then we were running into the, and then he was somebody who's running into the issue of like where people, I don't want to say they were complaining, but they were like, yo, can I get another one? And it's like, yeah, because I don't even work. So Anton started because he's a really good guy. So he just started giving these things away and he would hire them, train them and then give them and they would quit. And I was like, Anton, we need to make this into a business if we're going to be like more involved, if that makes sense. And that's what happened. Like I reached out to Anton. I was like, yo, can you find the VAs? I'll put a, I'll put branding and the business behind it. Can we do this? And he goes, yeah. I was like, all right. So I reached out to Diego Corzo, my business partner. I don't do a lot. Any, I don't do hardly any businesses without him. And I'm like, yo, what do you think about this? And he was like, great, let's do it. I'll help you through it. I'll do all the logistics and all the behind the scenes stuff. I was like, great, perfect. I got us together on a Zoom and I added one more business partner, Adam. And I gave Anton 40% of the business. I gave myself 20, Diego 20 and Adam 20. So at any point we could veto if we don't like something that he's doing, but he also does a lot more work than we do. So we gave him majority stake in the business, but all they would take is me and one other person that, and that's like checks and balances for myself. That it's not just me like, wanting to do something different than my CEO. It's like, I would have to convince Adam or Diego who are also vested in the business to change something. If Anton, if forever, for any reason, Anton didn't want to do something. So that's how it started. And now Anton runs the business the day to day. We have about 75, closer to 85 clients. I believe we're somewhere almost at hundred. And what we do, like I said, is we help real estate professionals find off-market opportunities without having to spend thousands of dollars a month. Yeah. At REI Call Center, I can basically guarantee that you'll get off-market deals for less than $1,500 a month in any market. I feel 99% of people would be jammed in that equity split because they couldn't get past giving up control and get, giving up an ownership position in their in the company that they're deciding to air quote start. Talk yeah. a little bit about your strategy there and how you're so willing to give up equity to the right people to make this thing happen. Yeah, I'll start from the top and then I'll explain why. So I heard Jeff Bezos one day one time say there's two things in the interview. They asked him, dude, you're like a bajillionaire, super billions of dollars. Don't you feel terrible about that? And he goes, no, that just means I've made more millionaires than any person in history. And mm. like that blew me away. And then the second thing that was asked was like, oh, how do you feel about owning a majority stake in Amazon? That's too much power. And he's, I own 11%. And like that also 11, 11 or 13%. Yeah. Something like super low. Someone should cross check me on that, but I'm almost hundred percent sure that's exactly what it is. But I read that and I was like, that resonated with me. That means, dude, he's got a lot of have to have a lot of confidence in the other people that whatever. But what was interesting was like, Anton, I was like, dude, you're going to do a lot of the work. You're going to be face first. Like, you're going to take a lot of the slack. So, you know, you got to run the day to day. And I wanted to check some balance myself because I know how I am. I'm very like loud or whatever. And I was like, okay, I don't want to make a decision out of an emotion that's not best for REI call center without someone else cross referencing me. And that was me putting trust in Diego and Adam. 
So if Diego was like, no, Felipe, I don't think that's a great idea. Then I would go to Adam. And if he was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Then between us two, we have enough say with Anton to, to like where we can have a meeting. So I would have to convince another partner or whatever. Now, if both of them say no, then my decision is void. Right. And we've had that. We've had a situation. Uh, I won't be going to specifics where I was like, I don't think we should do that. I don't agree with that. And Diego and Adam both agreed that we should. So I was like, Okay, great. That's what we're going to do if that's what's best for the business. And like you said, that was just me like being across, making sure that I don't have too much power because I I love our business. I know what we're doing and I want to even protect it sometimes from myself. And what you're saying is so powerful because it's it's the conversation that going from playing a me game to a we game. And we talk about this all the time. And a lot of people don't realize this until further down the road and further down, maybe they're in their 40s after a couple of failing businesses. And they're realizing that while you have success on your own, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. Yeah. I'm oh, I got, sure. I got something to say about that. You mind if I say hit it? Real quick? Hit it. Jump in. Well, first off, I just checked. Jeff Bezos owns 10% of outstanding all shares of Amazon <laughs> and 1% in a... Okay. I don't even understand that big word, but 11%. So Just Bezos, Bezos terminology. Yeah. Yeah, some Bezos terminology. Second thing, I I don't always agree with that statement of like what you just said, go to go fast alone, go far together. I think if you get the right team together, you can go fast and far if you have the right. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. So we're seeing right now, we're seeing like a polished version of you that understands this at a high level. And then it's a no brainer for you to just be like, okay, cool. I know the people, I have the relationships. I'm going to give up these equity positions whenever we're creating a business. I'm going to make the assumption that it wasn't always like this. No. So walk us backwards from that position and kind of what events materialized. Maybe it was just mentors and coaches that helped you make this realization. Because now that you have, you're going to 10 to 100x what your net worth would be if you just try to muscle this out by yourself. So what were some of the the game-changing events that led to you coming and realizing like this is the best way to operate business? Um, I think it comes from trial and error, burned relationships or burned bridges that I might've messed up. Uh, this also books, like books are huge. There's one of my favorite books called Memoirs of an Entrepreneur, but it, basically it's 10 stories of entrepreneurs and lessons that they learned in success. And it was in one of those lessons. I think it's also a lesson in The Richest Man in Babylon. And there was one more book, probably biblical as well. I'm sure it's somewhere in Proverbs where it talks about that situation, uh, like with many councils, creates uh, great something. I'm, I'm not great at quoting scripture. And then in, in the movie 300, the dude said the same thing, right? It's it's about getting your best warriors together where he was being asked. The guy was like, oh, we have 3000 men. And he's like, okay, what do you do? And the dude was like, oh, I'm a gardener. I'm this, that. And he's like, Spartans, what are you? And they go, oh, oh. yeah. It's like, I was just thinking about that when you yeah, said yeah. that. It's the same concept, right? So I like, get the right people around you and you're going to succeed. And honestly, if let's say the business fails because I gave up too much equity to this person or that person or whatever the thing is, then back to extreme ownership. And it was my fault because I didn't put the right team together and I deserve not to be part of that business. Cool. Let's talk about some of the checks and balances here for someone that's beginning in their journey, because me and you can look at this and we have enough skin in the game to where we understand like our checks and balances in forming a team because of our networks and connections that we have. But that's not always that case. Sometimes when you're first starting out, maybe you don't have that network and community yet to be able to choose people to partner from. So my question to you is, what do you look for in a partner? And what do you, maybe on the flip side of that, what do you look to avoid in a partner? What are some red flags that you are like, whoa, this guy's not going to cut it? Yeah, that's a great question. I just think you're asking it wrong. And this is something that I learned. If you don't have any great partners in your immediate like ecosystem, 
then you don't need to focus on finding a good partner. You need to focus on becoming a good partner because you, are you okay, Brian? Damn it, Felipe. <laughs> Sorry. That was um, good. That was good. Yeah. If you don't have good partners in your area or you're like, oh, I want to find good partners, that doesn't need to be your focus. Your focus needs to be on becoming a good partner. And that is what's going to attract the right partner. And, and I'll explain that this way. When you are looking for a Ford truck, like you, you go to the lot, you try to find it or, or the truck's not available or like it's not there to tomorrow. What happens the moment you buy one? You see them everywhere. Reticular everywhere. activating system. It's because yep. you've become a Ford truck owner. So it's the same concept with being a business partner. When you become a good business partner, you're going to see good business partners everywhere. Mm. Mm. God, that's bomb so powerful. Dropped. Yeah, we just oh, dropped a bomb right there. Oh, yeah. Well, this over. early? You're going to do this to the people without even getting them warmed up? We're just going to come out like this and just slap that's them? That's it, away? bro. That's it, man. Oh, my God. All right, everyone. Five-star rating and review. Thank you. This has been the Action Academy Podcast. Signing off. No. That's so this is but just that, the that's beginning. That's how we run our business, bro. Like, this is like just the just, beginning. That's just how we run it, my guy. And I love... God, I love that you said that. And that's why I love doing this show because I'll have a quote or something that I hear from someone. And just like uh, Gino Barbero, he, uh, Jake and Gino, he came on. Yeah. He said, so there's two ways to get coaches and mentors. Pay to play, seek to serve. And so... Quotable is like, yeah, right back at you, buddy. Oh, I like you that. Thought I, I wasn't like going to bring heat back to you. God, you have little that? faith. That was Gino Barbero. Okay, Gino. Gino like Barbero. And I will give you due and just credit whenever I reference you as well, buddy, because I'm going to reference you with that quote. So that was fantastic. Was that a bomb drop? I like it. That was a bomb drop. Absolutely. So let's walk. I guess let's introduce yourself, man. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that would, that, start there. that would be helpful. But no, I, from my experience and for people listening to this show, I know that this show is going to be an absolute smashing success because whenever we jump out the gate like that and just deliver as much value as possible, now we've every but single minute is earned, earned at yeah. this point because it's already yeah. there. So that's so Felipe Mejia, who are you, brother? Dude, that's a great question. Dude, I'm a father to Armando, my amazing son, mm. a husband to Christina, my beautiful, amazing wife. A uh, real estate entrepreneur. I, I love and have a passion for teaching real estate. I'm not in love with real estate. I'm in love with teaching it, but hmm. you're not a good teacher if you don't do it. I'm, like I said, father, husband, entrepreneur. I'm a believer. I was saved when I back in back right after high school in between college. Never been able to clean out my mouth. Wish I could do, but love, love the Lord. Love everything that that stands behind. As a Christian, I always try to do the best I can, give back where I can and uh, lead my family in that direction. Like I said, definitely not perfect. Probably the back of the line. I'm sure when I get to heaven, there'll be people saying, I can't believe he got in. <laughs> so yeah, let him in. He did okay. I love to work out. Uh, that's how I get like my stress, not stress because I don't really have a lot of stress, but like that's kind of like me time. I don't like to answer the phone. Like uh, even my wife knows unless it's an emergency, don't text me while I'm at the gym. I try to, other than that, man, I, uh, like I said, I run Rat Race to Fi. It's a mastermind uh, where we teach other people how to do what we do. My big what is it? Big, hairy, audacious goal or whatever Yeah, is to create a hundred millionaires in the next 10 years on my way to do that through rat race, as well as helping others through REI call center and all that. I've always been, I've always set out to make, I call myself like the Robin hood of real estate education. Cause I go in, learn, and then I come back and give it away at like half price or even less. So I'll give you an example, a wholesaling, everyone and their mom is charging thousands of dollars a month to wholesale. I learn how to do it, to hire cold callers, do all this stuff. And we literally undercut the market by half. So you will not find a company. I, I don't think you will. I don't, I, we looked, you won't find a company that's less than $3,000 a month average to wholesale. Some of the most expensive are like on the Schnicker Schnockets podcast. I want to say it that way. 
that are like closer to 10 grand a month. Was that funny? <laughs> I try, I got to keep myself safe. We found the most expensive. We found the, we found the cheapest. And then we cut that in half because we learned the systems and processes and then created a business around it so that the average person can be successful. Cause dude, I got calluses on my hands. We're still asking about who I am. Like, dude, I, I, and they, those will never go away. Like I used to be on the construction site, like six Earned. years ago, cleaning construction sites with a broom. So I wasn't even like smart enough to swing a hammer. Not that I wasn't smart enough. I just didn't have those talents. So yeah, I just, I, I, I like go in, I learn people's systems and processes, reverse engineer them, and then um, make them affordable for the regular person. That's 1500 bucks. You should be able to afford. I think if you don't, you probably shouldn't be investing in real estate, to be honest, but like, asking someone to sign up for a course or something to learn how to wholesale for five grand. Does it work? Yes. The answer is yes. Those things work, but you mm-hmm. shouldn't pay five grand to learn like 1500 bucks is affordable for a family or like a dude. That's just like, bro, I just had a kid. Like I'm trying to make some more money. Like I can't afford five grand. Like I know you can't. So RDA call center is 1500 bucks. And that includes everything. That's A to Z, everything. You're not going to spend more than that. So that's why we created that. Um, and that's who I am, dude. That's why I said, I didn't say, it, but I should have said it earlier. People either love me or hate me. There's nothing in between because you're either the guy that I took the idea from and I gave it to like the poor, <laughs> not the poor, but you know how Robin Hood works. You're it's either okay. that guy and you're totally hating on me or you're like, dude, you saved my life. I love that's it, man. I love it. I got another phrase for you that you uh-oh, can use. Uh-oh. Yeah. Buy one, get one free special, bro. Yeah. Go. So here's another one that I, that DJ Savoy told me and go on this guy. And he, okay. DJ was on the show too. So DJ says, so you've got your cup, right? So it's yep. like your cup of you talk about having your cup full and like filling up your cup so that you could pour into others. So instead, that's what I thought it always was. Cause my girlfriend is so giving, she just pours into other people and then she doesn't have anything left in her cup. And I'm like, yo, you need to, I was like, yo, girl, you got to give yourself some self-love before you give everything away to other people. My friend DJ changed my perspective on this. And now he has changed my life with this one quote. And the quote is, instead of focusing on filling up your cup and pouring into others, cut the bottom off the cup. Bro, that's huge. I'm totally stealing that tomorrow on Instagram and not giving you credit. I love that. You should. Okay, you should absolutely still it and not give me any credit whatsoever. None, Put the bottom me. off the cup. So now abundance flows through oh, that's you. Going, not that's to going you. viral, dude. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna red solo cup that. I'm gonna give it as an illustration. Oh, dude, I'm going viral. I just got Robin Hood, bro. <laughs> I just got Robin. Look, I'm telling you, Robin Hooded, bro. I got Robin Hooded, bro. No, nah, man. It's uh, abundance flows through through you, not to you. So now, Gosh, if you're talking about dude, it from I just an got chills, right? If you're talking about it from an analytical perspective, you're talking about obviously you're helping people, like and like you said, you want to create a hundred millionaires in ten years. So it's like, how do you get what you want, Zig Ziglar? How do you get anything that you want? Help enough other people get what they want. So with you having that goal, you'll go ten times further. And so you're already operating like this, but now it's just, it's just flowing through you. I love that. That's huge, man. It's interesting because when you said that about the cup, it's absolutely true. Learning to give through you never hurts you because like when you're trying to fill up a cup, even though there's a hole at the bottom, it's still going to, it's still going to fill up. But if you create systems and processes around you to never stop giving you water, then you're able to continuously give. And here's the other thing that I've realized is you shouldn't stop helping somebody because your cup is running low and you have a fear. Yep. That says Scarcity. really, in my opinion, is that you don't have the system set up yet. And if anything, that should open up your eyes to, okay, what do I need to do in my business to continue that waterfall? And I learned that lesson from Who Moved My Cheese, that little bitty book. Have you read that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Such a good book. And it's like- Such a good book about change in general. 
Yeah, it's great. But yeah, now you're operating from a place to where you have now the the universe God is what we believe in. But if you don't, if you're not a believer, then we call it the universe. But for us, God is going to pour abundance into somebody. He's it's coming. If you're not getting it, somebody else is getting it, and abundance just flows always. So it's almost like being like that lightning rod, right? in the sky to where you're just going to attract all of it because he's, Hey, if I give it to this guy, I'm really giving it to a hundred other people. And then it just flows. And dude, this podcast is a perfect example. As soon as I started doing this and because before I held on to all of this stuff, I held on to it. And I was like, all this advice from coaches and mentors, I'm like, Oh, this is going to give me the edge over others. And now that I just, every single thing I learn, I'll learn something. And I'll literally go record a podcast episode on it and teach it to others for free. And that's awesome. It's night and day, man. So I want to talk about identity changes and identity shift because you were working on a construction site. Yep. There's a leap there from construction to where you're at today. Yep. Let's talk about that transition. Yeah. So first I got to give all the credit to my wife for that one. I've never like I'm this really alpha open guy and all that, but obviously I have my insecurities. And like one of the things that I always tell people it's is... It's not very alpha of you, bro, to have insecurities. Oh, man. Look at that. <laughs> I've always... And it's funny because like I always feel weird about when people are like, oh, I'm so alpha. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that guy is definitely... So now I'm going to stop saying that. Thanks, Ryan. See, I have insecurities. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, I was talking to... I was, my, so my wife is a huge believer in me. Like she believes in me more than I believe in myself. And she sent a DM to David Gra- or to Brandon Turner and was like, Yo, it's my husband's birthday. He's got this many rentals, yada, yada. He'd love to be on your podcast. And that's what got me onto the podcast on Bigger Pockets, episode 39. Yeah. My wife's like straight up just slid in Brandon's DMs. And the only reason it resonated with Brandon is because I don't know if he cares. I, I won't say the dates or anything. So his wife is on the same birthday as mine. So we connected the day after. Anyway, so I got an interview with him and it was great. And then I got on the podcast. It was awesome. And then from there, it gave me like more confidence to leave in myself. Uh, and then I just went all in. So I was still working on the construction site and I was able to hear the conversations at contractors and like how stupid of me when I first started like being on the, or wanting to invest in real estate, this is, this was literally my mindset and your face will change as I say this out loud. Like I was literally on the construction site thinking to myself, man, this, I don't have any money or any knowledge in real estate. There is no way that I'm going to be successful in real estate. All I know is plumbers, framers, drywall, flooring installers. That's all I know. And I was oh like, man, that's yeah, it. What an idiot. I'm like, dude, that's the team you want. That's what people can't find. Yeah, exactly. So once I started leveraging that, like once I started in, in Cuda or a huge shout out to Diego, he always says this, you got to use your unfair advantage. And that was mine. That was my unfair advantage was like the people that I knew and who I surrounded myself. I didn't know rich bankers. I didn't have a rich parent. I didn't know hard money, loan money, five foot eight Hispanic dude in the South. I don't have a lot of connections. But I knew, but like I used my unfair advantage, which was like the people that were around me at the moment. And that really helped me out a lot. So like I could flip a home for a third of the price that other people could, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you were part of their tribe and their community and they already knew you and you had your guys. Oh man, I love it. Let's talk about, that's so huge. And then you get into this world and then that's so cool about your wife. That's going to be the only, okay. I will, we will go down in history as the only instance in a wife sliding in another guy's DMs as being a positive. It was okay. I know. <laughs> it's okay. That's so funny. <laughs> this, is, this is it right here. Documented. That's, like, that's the only time where it's okay to slide yeah. in another guy's like, DMs. My life changed because my wife slid in another guy's DMs. Oh, divorce? No, life changed. 
<laughs> no, it was Brandon Turner. <laughs> yeah, I, he's an he's an okay guy. But hilarious. man, let's talk rat race. Let's talk rat race to five because Diego was on. And man, I know it's something that y'all are so passionate about and fired up about. And if you're listening to this, I know we have a lot of new listeners. If you go back, Diego Corzo, uh, he's got an episode with this show and it's phenomenal. He has an incredible story and he's Felipe's partner here. And this is how we got connected. Yep. Talk about the origination of Rat Race Defy and then the birth of it and then where you see it going in the future. Yeah. So Rat Race Defy started because... Are you sure you want to ask this question? <laughs> I don't know. This is good. What are you going to hit me with? Yeah. <laughs> is, did y'all start as a drug cartel and then decide no, to become, no, no, no. become so we, legit? <laughs> yeah, dude, your listeners are either going to stop listening right now or be like, oh, this is... We saw an issue in the educational space in regards to real estate investing. So for example the biggest real estate podcast in the world, episode one to like episode, basically me, episode 329, which that might be a lie. There might be someone else, but it's basically like the history of our presidents, white, old, white, rich man, old, white, rich guy, old, rich guy. And I was like, dude, that is not an accurate representation of real estate, like investor. Like there is a lot of black, Hispanic, white. There is a lot of real estate investors out there for it to just be focused. And what do you tell the 16 year old kid that wants to get into real estate? And all he hears is like rich old white men that are getting rich off real estate. Like he's like, that's, I'm not part of it. So we actually started Rat Race to Five to have a community where everyone and anyone could have a platform and would be represented. And Diego and I were like, dude, we're probably the best picture for that. He's a DACA recipient, right? He still like struggles daily. He pays six figures in taxes because he can't get some of the tax breaks. He's a great guy. He's DACA. I was born here. My parents came over. They immigrated here in like 1988 or something. Or 19, oh gosh, I don't even remember anymore. 1990 or a year before that. Felipe doesn't love his parents. You heard it here first. Oh my God, shut up, Brian. Yeah, so we were like, all right, let's see what we can do. And it's not like we're like starting a company to like for diversity. Like we just wanted everyone to be represented. That's to give those people platforms to hear from other people of color. To look, we're real estate. And we have everyone in our in Rat Race to Five. So that's why we started it, plus making it an educational space that was affordable. So like Rat Race to Five is, I think, less than $4,000 for a year to be in our mentorship. And you get, this is crazy, you get two live Zoom calls with Diego and myself every week, Monday and Wednesday, all year. That's more than 100 like calls with us every single year. That's a lot. And so that's what rat race is, man. And, and we have a really large community. We're not numbers-based, so we cap our, our mastermind at 75. So it's not like hey, anyone and everyone can come in. It's like, you come, you're interested, we'll talk to you. Uh, we have micro tribes also. So if let's say you're like, yeah, I want to learn real estate, but I really want to focus on Airbnb. Then we have an Airbnb micro tribe. It's called the rat race to find micro tribes. And you can surround yourself with just people that are doing just Airbnb to like super lock down your niche. And that's, that's the other thing we have. And, and that's rat race in a nutshell. Man, I love what you said there because I feel like this is something that I'm trying to do with this show is come out the gate, man, and just have like different people with different backgrounds, different races that every single person can do this. It's accessible for everyone and it's possible for everyone. Is it harder for some than others? Yes, but it's worth it. 100%. We have to just give them the hope that they can do it too. That's it. Right. Or yeah, just giving someone to look up to and say, oh, yeah, Felipe, Hispanic guy is financially independent through real estate. I can do it too. Yeah. And it all comes back to the power of America, too, man, because my, my girlfriend is Brazilian and she was born and raised in Belo Horizonte. And in Bra- Brazil, there is no middle class. You're either really? rich or you're either rich or you're in the favelas. That's it. Oh, shoot. That's crazy. No middle class. And when people graduate, they go and they have to live with their parents 
because even if you do go to school, you're elite there if you have a yeah. secondary education and they can't afford to buy real estate down there. So you have to live with family for a long time because you just can't afford it. So come to America, you can get so many programs and so many different levels of opportunity, man. And it, I love it's it. The so pursuit awesome. of happiness and, and the key word there is the pursuit. So, I, and that's what I love about it. Yep. So on that note, what is your, because I know that you're actively investing in real estate throughout all of this. What's your portfolio looking like right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's look that up live, share my screen. Maybe your, people can go over to YouTube and check it out. We have 33,000 square feet of real estate, 65 doors, mix of cabins and all that stuff. And cash flow and net worth is all there too. Um, and then while they're here, so yeah, 65 doors within apartment complexes, houses and all that, 33,000 square feet, almost 34,000 square feet of real estate. And this is what rat race looks like. You see how we're just a bunch of different people. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant blend of people. Like uh, this country that, uh, what's the name again? Oh yeah, America. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like a giant blend of different people. That's it. That's it. Yeah, man. No, that's fantastic. So when you were doing that, and I know we, we, we could run short on time. We won't go like deep into it. But you you have a mixture of like short-term, multifamily, and then just single family, right? Like those are your, those are your, your jams. Yeah, yep, exactly right. Okay. Out of those, which one do you, if you were to look back and be like, man, if I would have just done this and just gone all in on this one, which one, which one would you say? I guess probably the best ROI would have been like Gatlinburg, higher risk, high reward cabins. But honestly, I chase cash flow. I don't chase the asset, if that makes sense. It's not like more. an asset that I like more that I've mastered, you could say. I really just won the thrill of the hunt and, and the kill, but just huge advocate of cash flow. And with that, using the line of credit strategy over the, the Burr strategy. There we go. Let's hit on this line of credit. So we were speaking about this before the show as well. Talk about how you utilize that method as opposed to refinancing out. Because now we're in a situation, this is recorded in 2022, where the rates are going up to the roof. Yeah, and a lot of people are caught with their pants down. Like even for me, I'm not going to be able to... I'm not going to... Not that I'm not going to be able to refi, but I've got like a 2.5% rate on my primary right now. I'm just like, there's no point in refining out of that. The to a six? No. So yeah. talk about your HELOC strategy. Sure. So I'm going to do a little picture here for your people. So that... Oh, I'm going to have to take off my screen. So let's say that you refinance. Let me take off my background here. Take it all off. This is not OnlyFans. All right. So you have $100,000 in equity, right? Okay. And you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not the smartest dude at the table. So please, if I'm wrong, I beg you, Brian, tell me. Is that fair? Yeah, I trust Your me. listeners will you. be like, Brian, you should have said something. If, if, if Okay, is that fair? Yeah, it's okay. You've got a pink note card. I trust you. All right, cool. Yeah, this is exactly how I run my deals too. I'm not even kidding. Run it. Okay. So for people listening, we got a pink note card out. Okay, we got $100,000 equity. Okay, $100,000 in equity. You walk into the bank, they're going to give you at best 30% of refi of that. At best, am I right or wrong? Like 70%. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. 70% of a hundred grand is $70,000, right? Yeah. So you're going to walk out of the bank with $70,000. I don't care what, if you bought it cheap, if you did this, I don't care what you did. If you have a hundred thousand in equity, they're going to give you 30%. You're going to walk out with a $70,000 check, right or wrong? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to walk out with a $70,000 check. You're going to take a cute picture for Instagram, and then you're going to walk right back into the bank and you're going to deposit that $70,000 check right or wrong. Correct. Okay. So you're going to walk right back into the bank and you're going to deposit $70,000. And the moment the next month hits, you're going to get a bill for what? 
I don't know. People want to know. You're going to get a bill for your interest plus P- you're going to get for interest and principal for the refinance, right or wrong. Correct. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not the smartest guy in the tool shed, but you're telling me that I come into the bank and hand you my hundred thousand dollar equity. You hand me back 70,000. I walk right back in and put it in your bank account. And then I got to pay you back for my own equity. And I lost 30%. Uh Oh, now I'm not the smartest kid and I made C's and D's in high school and that college degree should have two people's names on it, but that shit don't add up. What's the alternative Felipe? Let him know. Boom. Drops the mic line of credit. So then I asked my banker, I said, man, I, I love you, buddy. And I've been with you since I'm 16, but I'm not doing that. My banker's awesome. Mr. King, huge shout out. He said, there's another option. I said, all right, what do you got? He's like, I can give you a line of credit on 70,000. I said, okay. And I said, well, how much do I owe you? He's nothing until you use it. And I was like, okay, so it's my line of credit. He goes, yes. Leveraged against what? The rental. Okay. And your second lien? Yes. Second lien. Great. What if I don't want to use it until three weeks from now or three months from now or six months? He goes, I'll put it on to 10 years. Okay. When do I got to pay? He's like, only when you use it. And with a refi, you pay in the next 30 days. What if I don't use it? Well, you still got to pay me. Okay. So a line of credit, I get the same access to the same money. The only step we're missing is you don't give me a check and I don't get a fancy picture for Instagram. He goes, yes. I said, All right. so what if I want to draw $10,000? He goes, draw $10,000 and you're only going to pay interest on $10,000. Not the whole thing. He said, not the whole thing. So I did it. And then I took out 10 grand and I looked at him. He goes, All right, you owe me interest on 10 grand next month. So I got another 10. Okay, now you owe me interest on 20,000. I put it back. He's like, okay, you just owe me the interest now. I was like, so I can come in and take $30,000 as a down payment if I find a deal, when and if I find a deal, and I can fund that down payment myself with that, with that money, and I'm not paying you interest on 70 grand, just the interest on the what I pull out? And he goes, yes. I was like, okay. So I did. And I've built my whole portfolio on a $150,000 line of credit. I've built about $5 million <laughs> on the same line. Now, here's the last question that I'll have your buyers ask, you, ask themselves, and I'll let you answer first. When you refinance a property, who do you pay it back to every single month? When you refinance the property, the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. When you have a line of credit and you're paying back the, when you're paying back what you owe, who are you paying? You. It's your line of credit. If mm. That doesn't like tickle your fancy. I don't know what will in real estate. Man, the fancies are being tickled right now. Everyone's, everyone's fancies fancy being, being tickled. tickled. The biggest question that you haven't asked me is how do you pay it back? So let's say you take out 20 grand, you buy a property, great, it's cash flowing five, six, seven hundred dollars. But how do you pay back the line of credit? So, in my opinion, the line of credit is it allows you to become successful really quick because you still have to hustle. You still have to work to pay off the line of credit. So you use the cash flow from the property and your W-2 job or your side hustle or whatever you're doing, and you attack the line of credit as quick as possible. And what's cool is, let's say I take out 20 grand, I pay off 10 grand, but I want to use another 30. You can do that. So I found another deal. And now I have two properties giving me, I don't know, $700 each. That's 1400 bucks. Plus I add another $1,000 for my W-2. That's $2,400. We pay off line of credit in a year. Next year, I can buy two rentals. The year after that, three rentals because the cash flow continues to add up. You're not going to buy assets that don't give you money. Mm-hmm. You use those to strategically pay off the line of credit. It took me five years to become financially independent. The year after that, I became a millionaire. And now we're in year seven and I've hit 5 million. So it literally went from 
five years to five, one year to a millionaire, then the next year, five million. And I'm assuming I'm just going to keep doubling. So you don't really know what you're talking about. Not at all. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I do it on the back of sticky notes. We do it on the back of sticky notes, people. That's the pink sticky note strategy with Felipe Mejia. I don't understand. No, I love it. Refine. Now, here's the, now let me say this before everyone jumps on my throat. Jumps down my throat. What do white people say? Like two, one in white the hand. Say, white bush. people say a lot. What is it? Two in the two in the bush, one in the hand. What is it? I love that one, but I never know how to. Use. That's not how it is. Is it? I promise you, it is. No, two in the bush is one. In, dude, I don't even know what that means. Like, if, if I keep going, honest. Felipe, you're on a okay, roll. Cool. I'm just you So. <laughs> There is a place for refinancing. People have just misused it. You refinance assets that are five units or more or so forth, because those are judged on the rental income, not based on the value of the property. Okay. Okay. That is when the refinance happens. It's just that people are greedy and they want their money back. And then they refinance like single family homes. Now you would only refi single family home if you can get a better interest because you can up your cash flow. So for example, remember I told you that I buy for cash flow. So why in the hell would it make sense to refi a 2.5 to a six to get some money back, but I'm not going to cash flow. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you do? So here's something I've ran into. It's a, it's a little bit more difficult to get lines of credit from my experience, at least on rental properties, as opposed it's to not, a primary residence. You've been asking for a quesadilla at a burger joint. Okay, keep going. So you don't go to a Mexican restaurant and order a burger, do you? No. That would be weird. Unless you're very white. Unless you're very white, yes. <laughs> you're so dumb. <laughs> no, you go to a Mexican restaurant, you order a quesadilla, right? Yeah. Okay, so banks are the same way. Banks either make their money on credit cards or loans or home loans or lines of credits or refis. You, they're just not going to plaster it on their wall because unless you wanted a refi, you're not going to go to that bank. So they want they, they want everyone to come in, Right. So you, it's up to you to find the right bank that's going to do it. And part of that is knowing what to ask. A HELOC is on your home where you sleep. A line of credit leveraged against an asset is going to be called a line of credit. And those two letters make a big difference. So what lenders would you say would be the best case? Where the asset is located. So in Nashville, Tennessee is where my rentals are. I go to banks that are local to Nashville, like First City, First State, Fifth Third, Pinnacle, whatever. And then you just ask them for a line of credit against your asset. Correct. And they'll do it against the equity of the asset. Mm. Most of the time, you're not going to call one. You'll call five or six to find the right one. Okay, cool. So walk someone through that is listening to this right now. Maybe they have a primary. Maybe they have a rental and they've got some equity in it. They know that it's there and they've been racking their brain on how to compete in today's housing market. And now they hear this and they're removing the, the first two letters from the line of credit. They're taking the he out the he log. What does that conversation look like when they're calling the banks? Yeah. So if it's an asset, like not your house, if it's like rental a, property, a rental property, one, two, three main street, you're going to call the bank and you're going to say, Hey, Brian, it's just Felipe. Um, I own one, two, three main street and my property is that's appreciated. It's worth 400,000. I have a $180,000 mortgage. Would you be interested in doing a line of credit on my, on the equity of my home at 70%? And then they'll say, yeah, or no. And typically you're going to rule of thumb if they're like, yeah, let's talk about it. Or I have someone in the office. That's a good sign. A bad sign is when, oh, okay. Yeah. Let me get my manager to call you back, which means I need to figure it out or I've never heard of it. Or we don't have that person in this office, but let me forward you to somebody that does. Mm, they don't have a person in the office. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. So those are some of the things that I listen to when I'm talking, when I'm calling a conversation, just so I don't waste my time with the bank. If they don't have someone basically in-house that can handle it, then just move on to the next bank. Yeah, that's fair because Diamond doesn't. 
Like we're just going to have to find the best bank yeah, for us. 100%. Okay. Like I literally cool. went to the bank before this call. Actually, it's pretty funny that we're talking about this. Went to the bank and I paid off my $30,000 line of credit that I had. I have 150,000. The house is now worth like 400 or maybe a 350. I haven't run the comps on it in a while, but I asked her for an, for a, like a higher line of credit and she'll literally bump it up to like maybe 220, 225. And then you can just use that to take down bigger deals. Oh man. And that's why I say line of credit is super safe because it doesn't let you outdo yourself. Mm. Yeah. Cause you're not leveraging your down payment. You're le- you're using your down payment to leverage. Yep. Love it. All right. Hell yeah, brother. There we go. We're cooking. We're cooking now, man. This has been, it's been fantastic. So two, two questions to finish out. Yeah, dude. First question is, so what's the next, what's the next mountaintop for you? What fast forward three, three years, five years, vivid vision. What's going to be your next Mount Everest? Dude, like I said, my goal is hundred millionaires in the next 10 years. So that's, I'm focused. I don't really have anything else. I focus on my family my wife, my kid. Those are just non-negotiables. But my biggest mountain is I want to make a hundred millionaires in the next 10 years. And that's, I can't do that one at a time typically. So I have to create systems and businesses around helping people to do that. Okay. Awesome. So if somebody's listening to this and they want to be one of those hundred millionaires, where do they reach out to? Where do they find uh, you? There's only three places. So either rat race, REI call center, or become a one-on-one client. The one-on-one clients, I'm super, super selective. Uh, it's not about the money. It's about, do I like you? If I'm just being hundred percent honest. I had to be with you for a year. And most of my one-on-one clients have been become millionaires in the first year that we work together. Probably all of them. I think I have a perfect track record. Yeah. Okay. And there are they, but where are they starting from? They start from square one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I have debt type of square one. This man's swinging for the fences. I love it. I love it. And then if people are looking to connect with you on social media, where do they go? Oh, dude. R-E-I dot. Oh, that's it. Just Philippe at Philippe Mejia, R-E-I. Got it. Last question. What is one thing about you that you or your business that you're most proud about that most people don't know? What is something in my business that I'm most proud about? Yeah. What is something about yourself, your person, like just yourself or your business that you're most proud about that most people don't know about you? I have mentored four people into millionaire status in six months and didn't charge them a dime and no one knows who they are. Mm. Yep. I love that, man. Yep. And no one knows who they are. We'll end it. We'll end it. They can't, you can't outpower that statement. We will leave it with that. And with that is Felipe Mejia and the host of the Action Academy podcast, your man, Brian Lubin, signing off. You've been listening to the Action Academy podcast, helping you to choose what you want with who you want when you want. You've been given the gift of freedom. Don't turn your back on that. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten some practical and useful information. Make sure to like, rate and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Remember, financial independence is freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Freedom fly.